In this episode, Forgotten Flicks remembers The Heavenly Kid, 1985. Bobby Fontana. He wanted to live fast and die young. He did. Hey, the truth, I was expecting something different. You know, like angels and harps and that kind of stuff. Lenny Barnes. I got business for you, Barnes. He wants the guys to back off and the girls to come off. He needs a miracle. He's getting Bobby. You gotta watch that first step, kid. It's a nasty one. What is fast holding? Who are you? I'm your guardian angel. You got no confidence because you got no style. But we're gonna change all that. I'm gonna give you a flash. He's teaching Lenny everything. Lesson number one. Look like you got everything covered. Chicks like to think you got all the answers. Boy, you look great. Your hair, it's so great. Second, when you walk into a room, you want all eyes on you. You want everybody in that room thinking, hey, who is that kid? He's a complete square. Why couldn't you send me down here to rescue some orphans or something? The Heavenly Kid. You never know who's looking out for you. When you passed away, couldn't you have been in a car accident, could it? Yeah. How'd you get? Welcome to Forgotten Flicks, where we remember the movies you grew up with. I am your host, Joel, and for this episode, I'm joined by Daryl Taylor, and we're going to be talking about The Heavenly Kid. That's right, The Heavenly Kid. We will talk about the earliest memories we have of this movie. We'll talk about whether or not we had or did not have a guardian angel, and whether or not that guardian angel may have been intoxicated at certain points in our lives. We talk about tons of stuff. We do actually perhaps a little too deep on the heavenly kid, but dig in. We will. Now, if you're new to the forgotten flicks podcast, there'll be spoilers aplenty. This is about remembering the movies that we all grew up with the movies we loved. So the assumption is you're already familiar with the title in question. And in this case, we're going to be talking about 1985's the heavenly kid, a story of a rebel who has to get a cause if he wants to go Uptown. That's right. Our protagonist, Bobby, played by Lewis Smith, finds himself in 1985 after dying in a car crash in the 1960s so that he can earn his way into Uptown. This movie has a really great cast. It's got Lewis Smith as Bobby, Jason Gedrick, pre-Iron Eagle, Richard Mulligan as Rafferty, post-soap, but pre-Empty Nest. It has... Jane Kesmarek, I believe I pronounced that correctly, from Malcolm in the Middle. It's got a great cast, and you will have to listen to find out, is this movie a legitimately good, fun time movie, or is there a heavy dosage of C&D going on here? You'll find out all that and more, and I will be up front with you and let everybody know that the first few episodes of this rebooting, reimagining, as it were, of Forgotten Flicks are going to be a bit of an experiment. So we're going to have different features and segments, and I'm going to try some different formats out. So this idea of me introducing the conversation and then going into it is almost a separate interview. That's one way I'm going to take it. Who knows? I might go back to the way I used to do things with my old buddy, Jason, and just record it all right then and there with the person having to listen to all of the sound clips and everything else because I'm too lazy to edit them. Or maybe not. I don't know. So we'll have that aspect 
one of the episodes that's coming up, the License to Drive episode, I actually had four separate people recorded at four separate times. And in theory, it was going to be a shorter episode where I would go back and forth between everybody's answers, though answers tended to be a little longer than I thought they would. So as a result, that actually might be a two-parter. Haven't decided yet, but it's going to be substantial. So if you like License to Drive, you should be thrilled. But for this one, you will also be introduced to The Quest. The Quest. Which is a segment that will be produced for us by our old buddy Dave Umbricht, who is going to discuss a cinematic quest that he's been wanting to accomplish for a long time. And we're going to make that happen here on Forgotten Flicks. So you're going to get all that and more. Stay tuned. And we stay to the end of the show. There'll be an actually pre-recorded outro, believe it or not, finally, after all these years, a pre-recorded outro, all the ways you can get in touch with us. Love to hear your feedback. Love to hear your thoughts. So let's go ahead and get started with this great conversation with Daryl about the Heavenly Kid. And don't forget, at Forgotten Flicks, we're keeping the memories of the movies you love alive. I guess we should just jump right into it and get down to the nitty gritty of The Heavenly Kid. Is this a movie that you grew up with? Is this a movie you saw in your misbegotten youth? It sure is. Okay. Was it a movie that was a Daryl childhood favorite? Or was it a one-time rental, you know, hey, I saw it or so it would be on HBO and I'd watch it for a couple of minutes, you know, that kind of thing. Like, what? how does this movie fit in the pantheon of your your memory bank? It was, I think it it, it was one of those movies where I saw, I, whether it was on W, I think it was on WHT, doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But they would run it every, you know, they run it in rotation every couple of days or something like that mm-hmm. and i just happened to see this guy this this movie about this kid and his father and all and he looked like the Fonz. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like well I, all right i watch happy days i'll mm-hmm. watch this and uh i just got caught up in it and then it had it had um one of my favorite actors from soap oh richard it. mulligan yep yes and he got yeah he was my dude I, I love that you just dropped the soap bomb. I love that. I can't help it. I was a child of that of that show. I, it, the dramatic comedy. Yep. It was done the best. It was the best. I mean, you'd, it'd make you laugh. It'd make you cry. You'd never know make what you episode think. you're going to get. Makes you think. Yeah. Uh, that was the type of TV we had. Mm-hmm. So it had all of that. It had the Karate Kid stuff in it. It had the... <laughs> It had the geeky nerd who wanted the girl and he wanted the wrong girl. And, and uh, you know, he was trying to find his way. He felt like an outcast. And then he had a guardian angel. We all wish we had a guardian angel. Speak for yourself. Come in and make us cool. Well, speak for yourself for those that don't have it. You know what I'm saying? Oh. You don't well, know. Yeah, that's true. Mine may be, you know, cross-eyed, bow-legged and, <laughs> and have Tourette's, but that's not the point. Yeah, think about all the dumb things I've done. I should not be here. <laughs> yeah, it may so, maybe you don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You're right. You're right. He's well. He should have been here for the other stuff. I think I had the alcoholic one. <laughs> yeah, when they would go on these benders, you had a guardian <laughs> angel that would just completely pass out for days on end. Yeah, come to in an alley somewhere. Go, oh, crap, Daryl, and he just kind of stumbles out of the alley. That explains a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> why you never quite died, <laughs> but it came but, close. It yeah, came close. Yeah, it came close. Yeah. So he said you had the angel who you'd fall off the cliff. He'd catch you, but then almost as soon as he started to break your fall, would just disappear to go back to the bar so you just really really bump your ass exactly that's what i'm saying and the music this music is the same music that was in so many other movies including beverly hills cop (laughs) oh because that's a good point the part where the kid is walking or jogging behind his bike that obviously got to be japanese yes because everything is japanese when it's something we don't understand and it did have that that axel f sound didn't it yes it did did you you know what i'm gonna have to i'm gonna do the i will i'm recording this before i do the intro for the show so i'm making a note that i've got to look up and see if there's any uh, musical connectivity beyond just somebody trying to have a beverly hills cop vibe to it because that's all I heard when I... <laughs> those no, that's a good keys. point. No, you're right. That's it really was. So, for this movie, let's, let's, let's go. Let's just go right into it. I, I, I've already summarized the plot, mm-hmm. you know, for lack of a better word. And when you saw this as a kid, okay, how old were you approximately when... I mean, did you see this? Would it have been a couple years after it came out? Because it came out in 1985. So, would it have been around the time it came out, or would it have been significantly later? Um, it had to still be in the eighties when I saw it. So okay, I would think like maybe a year or two later, or somehow I saw this. Yeah, it had to be like a year or two. Okay, so were you young enough that it? Because what I found that any movie I saw before I was maybe fifteen, sixteen, there was still I still had enough uh, of that ignorant bliss about movies and filmmaking even at that age that I would see stuff that I'm sure by by cynical old age standards that i have now i would i would have you know still liked but prior to that i know i i it didn't matter man i had no discretion at all i mean if i saw a movie if i saw offbeat starring judge reinhold i thought it was great right so Mm -hmm. how did you feel about this movie were you young enough that you thought it was a truly great movie or were you did you have some? You know what it was? I was at the age of the, I, I probably would put it playing this way. I was at the age of the hormones. Okay. Kicking in and you, and I started to really like girls mm-hmm. and I could relate to the wanting the hot girl. Got it. And so that whole thing was there. Plus I, I am an Iron Eagles fan. I did watch that movie. Oh yeah, man. I remember seeing and, that in the theater. Oh, and I got so caught up in that. And the theme, like I didn't I didn't grow up with my dad. So the theme of 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 having of seeing that you had the father and the or you needed the father with you Mm -hmm. or like not having that 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 longing for that uh, kind of that that male um, that, that just that friendship that a father and son would have. Those movies attracted me to that. No, Iron Eagle had that. It's true. Um, just had that uh, uh, Karate Kid have that. Like there were so many movies that I I'm noticing a theme. Back. I'm noticing a theme to a lot of '80s there is a coming theme of, of age films. Yes, there's so many of those have, have been that they they needed a male presence or the male presence was taken away from them. Sure, and they the, their father or whatever or their father wasn't there because of anything. Could have been alcoholism or whatever. Divorce. I mean, I think it, and I think that was obviously one of the bigger elements that was really coming to a head because my parents got divorced mid 80s so See, yeah, y- you know it was yeah. it was definitely a very common theme wow we're gonna I-, I love the idea that we take the heavenly kid and we like go deep with it 
house there. <laughs> like we get so by the end of this, I'd be like, "Oh my god, I never thought about it." It, was, <laughs> it is so true, and you just and then being a misfit because when you're when you're that you're you're around that age, everything is just awkward. You feel so awkward, and just you don't walk right, you don't stand <laughs> right, like nothing fits you the way that it's supposed to be cool, and nothing looks right on you. Like you know the whole shebang, your hormones are going crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like you want to do the right thing because you hear your mother's guilt in your ears. Yep. Telling you you should do the right thing. But then you start seeing boobs and stuff. And uh, that that kind of trumps everything. Must touch boobies. Exactly. What can I do to touch these boobs? Yeah. I must touch them. So. Powerful affliction. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing we can do about it. No, no, this is true. So with the heavenly kid, I, I... for for me, this was one. I remember we rented it, and my sister and I we watched this movie over and over and over again. I mean, I, <laughs> this is one I had not seen it in. I, I actually no, that's not true. I saw it about five years ago when I because I or four years ago because when I started the Forgotten Flicks website, I was going to one of the first things I was going to do is before Jason and I even were getting cranking up to the podcast. I don't remember if I ever wrote the review. I was going to write something about it. I may have. It's been so long. I truly don't even remember if I wrote something and posted it, but I watched it for that. But that had been the first time I had seen it in maybe 15 years prior to that. And I remember when I watched it that time, like the, the memory I have now of that moment was being not well, kind of disappointed. Like I just something felt off and I don't know why. I just I remember feeling the sense of like, oh, eh. you know, that, that sort of C&D moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This time, however, and I don't know what, maybe it just, you know, it was the cocaine. I don't know what it was, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, look, sure, the almost 40-year-old cynic, the guy who's seen way too many stinking movies, could go on and on about the quote-unquote problems, right? Yes. But I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because I freaking like this movie. I don't know why I like this movie. It's pure, this is a and d special. I get it. Yeah, yeah. But... There's just something about it that is so just innocent and goofy and likable, even though certain things just make no stinking sense. I mean, on multiple fronts. Yeah, because you can't get high (laughs) when you're an angel. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and I want to get into because I have like a series of questions I just want to ask. So, 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 (laughs) Daryl, if (laughs) if. You were in the 1960s, because let's, even though I know it's supposed to be the 50s, actually, let's start there. I'm just going to jump right into this, okay? Okay. So I'm just going to assume everybody who's listening has seen this movie or is at least familiar with it in passing. Um, Apparently, this movie opened up against Back to the Future, which I have yet to verify at the point of this recording. Mm -hmm. I read it yesterday. Uh, Ann Ann Sawyer, I believe is her name, is the one who played Sharon. Mm -hmm. You know I'm talking about Sharon. Yeah, that's the one that that Lenny wanted to... Well, it was something that somebody had interviewed her for. There was some quote where she talked about how this movie opened up against Back to the Future, and thus nobody saw it. I, I'm thinking about like because I remember I was in Florida when Back to the Future came out. Like I went to I went to visit my uncle, my aunt and uncle. Where me and my cousin? Where in Florida? Uh, oh, we in Sarasota, I think. Okay, okay, that's near my neck of the woods. Same and Pete. I remember it was out around that time because we we had no choices. I think we had to see Cocoon, and we were there for like almost a month. So we saw Cocoon, and we saw because she was very religious. Well, that and plus it was also shot right down the street in uh, you know, metaphorically speaking in Saint you, Petersburg. You, oh, you're so right. And I remember yeah. 
I remember seeing Back to the Future, and I remember seeing this. I remember seeing Cocoon, and I heard, because no one was in the theaters. I remember that. Like really, we, we ran the gambit. We were running up and down the aisles. We were chilling. We were like, there was no. Was it? Wasn't that an awesome feeling? Not to completely. Well, I mean, it, it is. It, it may be Forgotten Flicks remembers now, but it's still Forgotten Flicks. So let's it's just so go true. down the rabbit trail for one second. Is that the best feeling? Even as an adult now, when you'll go, I, part of it makes me sad when I go to a movie I really want to see and there's nobody there. And you're like, man, is this movie tanking? But then there's also something about you got the whole thing to yourself. Yep. Oh, that's the best feeling. Bubba Hotep. That's how I saw it. I went and saw it in Tampa. It was playing in one theater in pretty much all of my neck of the woods part of Florida. And uh-huh. my wife and I saw it. Man, we were, nobody else was in the theater. It was really. Uh, now, Again, didn't reflect well on its box office numbers, but yeah, from a purely yeah, yeah. selfish standpoint, it was fantastic. Well, there's a lot of 80 movies I saw like that because there was a theater by me where uh, me and my uh, buddies would go to, and it, w- it was one of those theaters that would play like three movies in a row. <laughs> and it was, you, you pay a little fare, you, you, you'd sit there, and it's three movies in a row. And it was, of course, it was the days where kids could sit in a movie theater all day long mm-hmm. and no one would do anything. They wouldn't hurt them, they wouldn't bother us. We could just sit in the movie theater. I saw so many, like, and they would mix them. There was no rhyme or reason to the movies they would show. And I know some of those movies are movies I should not have seen at my age. <laughs> like, just the mixture of it. And then, but that goes to show, like, that. that is why I have the sensibilities and the, and the insanity that I have now. At 11 a.m., it was Bambi. It was uh-huh. a re-release of Bambi. Yeah. At uh, 12.30 p.m., they were showing Back to the Future, and then at approximately two thirty, it was Hard Bodies. That's how they would do stuff. <laughs> I, there was, I know there was so many R-rated movies where I know they mixed it in with PG, and nobody said anything. Yeah, well, PG then, man, was so much different. I think than P. I think PG thirteen now is what PG was then. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. PG then you could there was a little nudity. They could drop one f bomb. And there was yeah. probably more violence in PG-13 movies now than there was oh, in yeah. PG movies then. But that's yeah, the only thing no. that's different. I mean, I think that PG-13, when it comes to like sex and language, is pretty much what PG was back then. Oh, yeah. But now, but, but some of those rated R movies, some of those movies, they would sneak in some stuff. Oh, they would. They and would. you would be like, wow. And I saw it. And we've <laughs> gone through puberty. That's probably made it worse. Yeah, probably accelerated it. That's why your voice is so deep. You probably you've had this same voice since you were 13 years old. Probably. Oh yeah, as it cracked when I saw a pretty girl every time. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of Revenge of the Nerds, as soon as they as soon as they sat down and started watching the uh, the hidden cameras, you were. <laughs> you know what? You just said Revenge of the Nerds. Guess what other movie I saw in that theater? Revenge, Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds. Yes. <laughs> and that was not a. That was not a. Uh, that was a hard R. Yeah, that was not a kid friendly movie. No, it was not. <laughs> That was a hard R. I was in. I was all in for that movie. <laughs> so, uh, with with the Heavenly Kid, do you, you say so you only saw that on TV though? You didn't go to the theater and see that one, right? No, I, I know I, I saw did. it on. I saw it on cable okay. on WHT, which was just one channel yeah. cable, and then I didn't see it again for eons until you whatever. When you brought up when I saw Heavenly Kid listed, and when you mentioned it, I was in. Like I remember that mm-hmm. movie because it was one of those movies where it hit me uh-huh. and it stayed there, even though I know as bad as it is. It it was one of those movies where you saw it. I liked it. Plus, I had a crush on Nancy Valen. Yep. I had a. I knew. I I knew I loved brunettes back then. Mm-hmm. Or 
whatever reason, but I already knew that. So I was, I, too, I like that girl already. So while he was going after the blonde, I was like, you need to go for the brunette. So I was going to, I was going to actually, it was one of my questions I was going to ask you. So were you, would you have been more of a Sharon or a Melissa, right? And that's the character's I, name. Melissa, Melissa all the way. And yeah. if you look at her now, she's yeah, still, she is, she has aged way. rather nicely. Hasn't yes, she? she has. Which is such an extraordinarily horrible way to put it. <laughs> It's so true. And she's from Brooklyn, so she wasn't that far from me. <laughs> Not that far from where I am. No, it's uh you know, it's funny, I remember being a kid and thinking that uh Sharon was like the hottest thing ever. I mean and she's oh, cute. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's just so it's so funny how in movies they'll the way they establish the characters and they try to, you know, so and so such a sex pod or 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 we'll, and we'll get to this Fred Gallo the bully the the guy I always have come to the conclusion pretty much William Zabka should have just been in every single eighties comedy because you know what it is he had this quality to where he seemed menacing enough but then yeah. at the same time you could still buy at the end when the hero kicked his ass. So it wasn't that he was too big and bad to where you're like, come on. Yeah, he wasn't an impossible no. uh, uh, bully, but he was the but bully you, that... Yeah, but you, you bought know. that if somebody wasn't going to be mentally strong enough, he mm-hmm. would do everything he could to destroy you. And he would do dirty stuff. Like, that's the thing I hate. He would do... When you didn't want to fight, you didn't want to go mm-hmm. through a whole thing, he would never fight you one-on-one. He would always play dirty. Yep. Yeah. And that's the guy you hate. And that's the guy that gets the crane kicked to the face. That is exactly Son. what the guy that gets the crank kick fist in the face <laughs> and the balls, because he always get kicked in the balls. Somewhere. He really, at some, some point in the movie, yeah, he always does. Always. Always. <laughs> Did, actually, even, didn't, didn't he even get need in European Vacation by, by Audrey? he does. I could have sworn he did, too, but maybe I'm just imagining that. I don't know, because we've seen the knee hit to so many times to so many villains that oh, kind of yeah. are the same character. That, mm-hmm. But I could have sworn he got kicked right in, in the balls. I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> I'd be gonna, I'm going to have to like go and find every movie he's been in and just put a montage I know, I'm together. I'm going to have to watch it now because it's going to bother me for the rest of the day. <laughs> I don't really, if I don't remember right. Because we remember, like it's so vivid that I remember. Uh-huh. I, I can, I'm picturing it very vividly as if it was the scene. I could picture the woman. I can't remember the actress who played Audrey in European Vacation. but well, I don't remember her name, but I remember who the one that played Audrey in... in Vacation. Be- I remember what she looked like. Best, too. Au- best Audrey's the first one, though. Oh, yeah, of course she was. And and uh, brunette. I guess they all brunette, aren't they? Well, Juliet Lewis is kind because she was in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But my fa- yeah, my favorite was the first one. Yeah, I, I I agree. And 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 those who are new to the new rebooted version of Forgotten Flicks remembers. Yeah, this is pretty much what the old show was like too. So <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to get into the meat and potatoes. It's funny. This is one of those movies that as I was writing down potential questions to ask you about it, mm-hmm. these are questions I've always, some of these are questions I've always had about this movie. And right off the bat, it starts off, we're going to have this drag race. You've got the, you know, that was in the, uh, I'm a lama baby. Isn't it like a Jerry Lee Lewis song right there at the beginning? Oh, yes, it was. Okay. So, and you got the rebel without a cause dress of the Bobby character. I mean, he straight up looks like James Dean on the Rebel Without a Cause post. He's oh smoking a cigarette. Right? A lot of smoking. A lot of smoking. A lot of smoking. And he's getting ready to do this. Essentially, it's a game of chicken where they're going to drag race towards the cliff of this, I don't know, quarry or wherever it is. Okay? Right, right. At the beginning, it says the ridge, early <laughs> 1960s, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, follow my logic here. Number one, while I get that the quote-unquote early 60s, pop culture-wise, a lot of people say, well, it has a 50s vibe to it. But Rebel Without a Cause and that cause and that kind of that look, that was very, it's very mid-50s to me. And so yeah. this movie, like, if you didn't see that at the beginning, would you have thought 60s or would you have thought 50s? I probably would have thought 50s. I mean, right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. It did, yeah, you think come think about it, yeah, it wouldn't have made. I I don't think I remember it saying sixties until I rewatched it recently, like yesterday. Yeah, but, I don't think I remember that sixties uh, thing. But here's the other problem: do the math. Unless Lenny really is the reason why he seems so smart in high school is because he's repeated so many grades. He's been there for about seven or eight years. He was born in 1967. If going with the idea that he's 18 in mm-hmm. 1985, which means that that ridge situation had to be taking place in say 66, 67, early 67 in in 66. There's no way in the Hades that that was 1966. You're right. You're totally right because you know why? Because you you didn't sniff any coke like the writers did. <laughs> There is that true, and they did, and they didn't care about time back then. Well, they, well, they didn't, and it's and there was a lot of movies that would do that, right? Because they a lot. And, and my here's my reason now: having the distance, obviously, that mid '80s time period, there was a real trend at work. I mean, again, what movie did this open up against? Back to the Future, where the '50s. There was a. I remember there were so many. There was like Disney movies. Remember that one with Jason Priestley where he played an angel. It was like Teen Angel I or saw something. That too. Yes, I do remember. Right, that. And he played, yeah. and he was like the same same getup. And it was something about the fifties that there was this parallel culturally where they were trying to. And my guess is it makes perfect sense, right? People mm-hmm. were making movies at that point were what our age is now, and they like we always talk about the eighties. So for them, it was like talking about the fifties because that's when they grew up, fifties and probably into the early sixties. Right, and they never got along with their parents. They never understood the past. Sure. Every time they tell somebody an alien was invading, nobody would listen to them. Nobody would listen to them. And Japan always was the place where all the technology came from. True. True. And plus that off the and that and that reference those references obviously fit into the eighties too, because you know, that, that was when the, the whole economic co- competition was really heating up mm-hmm. between the two countries. So but I always I always remember being a kid and I was a very now I'm not saying I'm not still gullible because I am. But I was such a gullible kid that I would just assume if a movie stated something or showed something a certain way, that just, I never questioned it. I just sort of. I did. I didn't. I like, I didn't even, I would never think to question the time frame or nothing. I like, it didn't even occur to me until, you know, that that's not something that happens. So you become jaded when you're 18, 19. Sure. But I guess what's funny is I remember at the time doing the math and going, well, no, that isn't. But then I thought, well, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) Like maybe Hmm. because they would. Why would they have done that? I mean, they spent so much time making movies that I must be wrong. (laughs) But now I love what I enjoy so much is listening to podcasts that go back and and either talk to actors that used to do this stuff or they talk about the making of these movies. Mm -hmm. And I realize how high they were. (laughs) Because there, there are so many questions they would get, and they would be like, "Yeah, we thought about that, but we just ignored it." Yeah, like, so much got ignored, and you would think with that much money on the line, even back then, mm-hmm. that they would at least try to do it right. No, no, 
Not really. And and then of course this movie also has it has this the affliction that I love, which is the oldest teenagers in history. Yes. Everybody looks thirty five. You damn right they did. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and I'll say this: the teens from the eighties still look early twenties. Well, look at Jane. Uh, uh, um, what's her the actress? Uh, Jane from Malcolm in the Middle. The mother. Oh yeah, Jane Kismarik, Kismarik, something to that effect. I, I apologize. Totally mess it up. Miss K. They didn't need any change when they played teens. When they when they go forward to the present. Yeah. They needed no changing. No, they looked none. exactly how they looked like exactly. when they were in the 60s, supposedly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, probably the guy, uh, Lewis Smith, who played Bobby, he looked overall maybe the youngest, but even then, he still looked like he was 30. He still had the Fonz look, which is a grown man hanging out with teenagers. <laughs> True we didn't think about it then, but you think about it when you got older and you could look back and you go... That was a grown man hanging out with those yeah. kids. Yeah, wonder what that was all about. Hmm. And no one cared. No, because it was the 50s. It's all good. Yeah, it was all good. No yeah. one cared. <laughs> no stranger danger or anything. No, no. One no. Wait, where's the Joni going? Oh, she's going off with the Fonz on his bike. Yeah, he for the weekend. trips with them and yeah, stuff. Totally he fine. would hang out with their mom and yeah. dad. Yeah, and nothing weird about that at nothing, all. Had no job. Yeah. Nope. And no, and, now that that probably is the most unrealistic part. He had no job, and nobody judged him, and no one judged him. <laughs> In fact, he was the hero of the town. True, he was. He really was. Hey, everybody! It's Dave, and welcome to the quest. All right. So, what is the quest? This is my quest to go through Roger Ebert's great movie list. All right. I love movie lists. I love them because they give me ideas to see movies that I've never have even thought about, never even heard of. And there's just that fun joy of seeing something that I would never even seek out on my own and then ticking off. I mean, there's, come on, there's nothing more fun than ticking something off on a list. So I've gone through a whole bunch of lists over, over the years. Probably the one I got through last was like the AFI Top 100 list. Which has a lot of, you know, a lot of great movies. But, you know, most, I think all those are, actually, they all are American movies. So, Roger Ebert's uh, great movie list. So, what you need to know about him, that is that from, I think it was like around 1996 or so, until pretty much up until his death, he was writing a review or, or kind of re-releasing a review of a movie that he deemed as a, a great movie. And what's really cool about his list, it really spans genres, it spans time periods, it spans geographies. So you could be watching a movie from the French New Wave in the 60s and 50s one day and then watching Moonstruck the next day, which I recently did. Actually, I watched movies from, from both those genres recently. So here's the deal. I, I, I was telling Joel that I was, I was going to try and uh, finish off the uh, Ebert list. I, you know, I started years ago, I started working on this list and it's like, some odd, like 400 movies or so. And the, the problem was, you know, as I was getting through them, Roger kept writing more, 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 more reviews. So it was really hard to keep up when, when a list keeps on growing. My goal was to finish it by the age of 40. And unfortunately, I had to, I just gave up because it was just, it was too daunting as it just, the list kept growing. So now, you know, a few years later, I just had this urge uh, a few weeks ago of, of just, you know, I'm going to finish that list. And I have 96 movies 
left on that list to watch. And I figured, hey, if I watch two a week or so, I could finish it within a year or finish it. You know, maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe my goal will be by the end of 2015, even though we're already into a couple months here. So I mentioned this to Joel and Joel said, hey, you know, why don't you take a few minutes on the podcast and you can uh, kind of memorialize this. So I appreciate his offer. And so we're going to do that. Why do this, though? I mean, one of the things, it's not only just just to tick off a list, but I love just the education of it because I love trying to find out, you know, because this list is so diverse, you know, there's a lot of movies on there. They're only on there because they kind of have some historical significance. Like, who really wants to watch Triumph of the Will? Of Will? Because, you know, man, it's a Nazi propaganda film. Some people consider it the greatest documentary of all time. And it's just, but it's part of film history. But one of the other really cool things is a movie geek, filmmakers, you know, they're also movie geeks, most of them, you would, you would think. And, you know, they, there's a lot of movies that, uh, you know, kind of build upon older movies. Obviously, When Harry Met Sally is a, uh, you know, direct uh, kind of homage. And I hate that word, but because it sounds so pretentious, but homage to, uh, to the Woody Allen movies. And then, you know, Tarantino, obviously, he has so many references to movies. I remember watching, you know, watching one time an interview, I think it was with Bill Murray, talking about when he was making Rushmore and Wes Anderson was talking about a, sh- a shot in Rushmore as, you know, this was the, his Barry Lyndon scene. Yeah, I've seen Kubrick's Barry Lyndon and I watched that scene. I still have no idea what that means. I'm going to have to go back and try and figure that out. Uh, I, I was watching High School Musical with my kid, High School Musical 3 with my kids and I suddenly realized, oh my God, that's uh, what, what, what they're doing right there is all about Eve, which is also on, the, on this list. So anyways, Joel's asked me to try and make some kind of connection to whatever movies I'm watching or, you know, the movie I kind of give a few thoughts on to whatever he's talking about uh, with his guests that week. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to invite you guys to uh, to join me on, on, on this little adventure. I'll let you know what I'm watching as we go along. And uh, I'm going to tell you, you know, ahead of time, you know, things I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks. So... Right now, you know, this is just our introduction, but I think what I plan on doing for the Brainstorm podcast, I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna watch Blade Runner, the final cut. Now I've seen Blade Runner before, but I've never seen the director's cut. And let's see if you can figure out what the what the connection is between those two movies. And then when the License to Drive podcast, I'm gonna talk about Moonstruck for a few minutes. What the heck did those two have to do with each other? We'll see if you can figure that one out. I look forward to this adventure. <laughs> Listen, if anyone has a better title for this segment than The Quest, please let us know. Until then. Heading for some place that ain't in a dream. Heading where no mortal man's ever been. And you may never see my face again. brought up the music earlier yes and re-watching it i'm not gonna lie i really 
love the music. <laughs> Everything was a soundtrack. The, when you see the pretty girl, oh yeah, comes on. When you uh, when he saw the girl he's supposed to be with, oh yeah, and they finally fall in love. Music comes on. Oh, my favorite when he totally f's up. The cool he finally becomes a cool kid and becomes a jerk. And uh, everyone that cared about him, that was good friends with him in the beginning of the movie, they wind up telling him, "You're a jerk, and and don't talk to me ever again." And he's sad now. Mm-hmm. That that they always have that that theme music comes on again to show that he needs that that he's messed up. Yeah, and and it also did the great wonderful thing of we go from the jerry lee lewis music that fits the time period to in the middle of the drag race at the beginning yes. we, we kick into the eddie and the cruiser sounding music yes you have to have which that. I, I i'm gonna like totally totally loved it i love that that sound it's, it, and it's it's totally eddie and the cruisers and it's very anachronistic it's obviously an 80s power ballady kind of music and, and i'm not really a music person like that and i didn't listen to the 80s uh band music uh being black we didn't exactly play that and around me really as much um, you, you would you would you would have had had issues walking around blaring out like you know eddie and the cruisers eddie yeah. lives or yeah so i don't know strangely no we didn't do that but <laughs> in movies we did like it i have no we we if you play a song we would know what movie it was from like that was universal when you saw movies and you and they played certain mm-hmm. songs automatically to this day i still know if i hear a song i know it's from a certain movie you, I saw. you don't you know what there are no secrets here and you're in a safe zone daryl you can tell everybody that you had the soundtrack on audio tape to dirty dancing it's okay i, I don't want to talk about it right. but i did what you know what i did do when we had the little video the the uh radios the boom boxes i would play it i would put it up to the tv <laughs> like i did that with teen teen wolf and i would i would actually record the whole thing because i would like a movie so much you just listen to, wanna... i did the same thing yes. dude yes, I, I used to love doing that you listen to the just the the sound of the movie yes yeah that's probably why I love listening to podcasts to this day. That's yeah. true. That's a good point. <laughs> I had tapes and tapes of shows that I liked or movies that I really loved that before I took them back to the to the uh, video uh, store, I would record them on my on my radio. And I, you talk about being in a safe zone, and I'm about to admit something that will violate all elements of the safe zone when everybody's making fun of me it's but okay. it, well here, here's the thing what you described is something totally awesome if you're 11 mm-hmm. except i remember going we have a drive-in still in the area i live in and huh? and i remember i went there and i had and now the way it's set up they still have the speaker boxes and i right. got a couple you know a couple spots so you can do it real retro if you want to but they you get the actual music and sound from the movie on the radio so i actually took a little stereo box with me and yeah. i had tapes and i recorded wait for it halloween h2o so what? you could do the math on that that wasn't it wasn't long ago enough to not be kind of sad so it was a 97 98 that came out because it was after scream so i think 97 ish so i was 21 22 yeah, but I was so much into horror movies at that moment, especially, but it, you know, Halloween, all of them, that I actually tried to record the audio for that. Why? I, know. I, 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 can't, I don't have an answer now. Then I thought it was a good idea. 
You, you know what? Your guardian angel was drunk too. He was he hanging was. out with mine. My he guardian angel was drunk. a little high and convincing me to do it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Let's just see if this kid is gonna do it. I don't think I, he'll do it. But yeah. Let's see. Uh, it, they're, 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 he's got one next to him that's staying invisible, so I can't see him. He's like, watch this moron. Watch this. <laughs> doing it. He's no, doing no, it. you need to because if you do this, this will help you one day when you're you're filmmaking. And I can't even get it. I can't even say it. I can't. <laughs> And you did it. Oh, I fell for it. So speaking of high angels, you made the point earlier that angels really can't get high. But I would even go one further and ask you, why is it exactly an angel from 1966 doesn't know what grass is? Mm, good question. <laughs> Do you have an answer? I don't have an answer for that at all. Good question. Okay, because I, I went away from it going, huh, that's odd. Mm. Because I know grass was a known quantity at that point. Hell, you know why? it was because in the 50s someone, it was known. Somebody in the bathroom with white powder on their nose, under their on their lips, <laughs> came out and said, you know what would be great? If he doesn't know what grass is, what a hell. I joke. I mean, and then the other guy who kind of went, kind of rubbed his nose and went, that's awesome. You're smart, man. That's You're good. Brilliant. You're brilliant. You know this. <laughs> and then they... they Got in a movie. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. I don't know either. I do want to discuss the bully because all great '80s comedies have a really douchey bully. Two, actually, the bully and the and, and the, the sidekick bully, yeah, and the henchman and the henchman. Yes. My takeaway, and I even remember being a kid and feeling like I don't particularly find bully Fred to be that. He was he was real douchey and he had but he had this almost James Spader like quality and James Spader I was about to say rich boy yeah, bully. There's yeah. a different there were two types of bullies. They were the I could punch you in your face a lot. Uh-huh. Because I'm really big bully. And then there was the I'm really rich and popular and not on the football team, but I'm really rich and popular and good looking and I could be mean to you and make your day terrible. And I'll have a bunch of friends that will do bad things to you. Almost like the male mean girl equivalent. Yes, it is the male mean. It's the beginning of the mean girl thing. Yeah. And and while while Mr. Fred Gallo had amazingly feathered hair. Yes, he did. I had this sense of memory as a kid not being particularly threatened by him, especially when he gets his butt whipped incidentally and, and relatively speaking early on in the movie. Like you would think that fight scene would be towards the end. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, probably a little past the midway point, but it's early enough to where at that point he's sort of this emasculated <laughs> villain. Well, well, what he becomes is he goes from the bully in high school to he plays the same part of the guy who is the very attractive guy who sexually assaults a girl <laughs> and no you, one believes the girl. Are you referring to like a metaphoric Character, no, you're talking I'm, about the actor I'm, who I'm, plays that part. That's what he is. No, 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 the actor, he has gone on to play <laughs> that guy in 21 Jump Street, St. Elsewhere. Wow. As the World Turns, he's been on. You, uh, he's play, also played it in uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Really? What? Oh, man, I, used to, I love that show. I I don't remember him being. Do you he ballpark? played the doctor, Dr. Kyle uh, Bresford. He's been in Ryan that. The SVU. I'm going to have to look that one up. <laughs> He's a doctor now. He's older, so he's a yeah. doctor. Does he still but have he, feathered hair, or is it like a receding hairline? Uh, I think he still looks kind of quaffed. Yeah, I think nice, he's the same place. See, I found like his henchmen. I found much more physically intimidating. 
You, well, they always have that big. The bigger guy does the work for them. Except, but go back to not Johnny Lawrence. That's true. And he had the Cobra Kai. He had the he had his backup, but you always felt like well, he didn't he really was need more them. of a guy that looked like he could beat your. That's what I mean. It's like that's why he was the perfect '80s villain because he had yeah. that nice balance. He could be the rich preppy jerk. He could be that, but he also could be the guy that would could kick your ass, right? And he yeah. would do really dirty things to you. Yeah, like he would. He would hold your girl and make her watch you get beat up repeatedly. <laughs> it's like he would be holding her while he's beating you up with his other hand. Yes. <laughs> now hold on, baby. Yeah. Just stay right here. Okay, watch this. Ah. <laughs> uh. Like there's bullying, and then and then there's he does stuff that he should be arrested for. Like I would be in the movie angry. I would watch a movie with some of these things, and I would be so angry because I'm like, this guy should be in jail. Like how do you let this guy? He almost killed this guy. <laughs> or, or, or or more to the point, how exactly is it that you can have this odd, very short lived melee in the cafeteria? Which by nobody the, knows, and, and nobody ever really. Does anything? There's no authority figures. Nothing really happens. Where's the teacher? Although, although apparently a wedding cake yeah. was in this cafeteria because that's what the henchmen went flying into. It was a straight up three tier wedding cake. It, where the, you know what? It, it, the white powder and lips again. <laughs> you just, you just. Uh, that's really going to be the ne- the answer. The forgotten flicks remembers answer to anything that doesn't make sense. One of these movies. Yeah. It's cocaine. Wait, wait, hold on. I need you. Know I need for my soundbite right now. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. There's a lot that got, got away with. Right, hold on. Writing down cocaine. <laughs> there's always something in a movie. I don't care what it is in any 80s movie. There's always some scene that makes no sense to the rest of the film. And if you if you don't know why, I'm going to cue it up. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yes. Oh, yes, great. it is. I, and it makes no sense. The parents don't do anything about it. Like, these bullies do things that oh, I know. are so ridiculous. <sighs> well, Breaking arms. Oh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, trying to hit you with the car. Oh, yeah. It's so true. You know what's funny? Mark uh, Metcalf, uh, the one that plays Joe Barnes, isn't it funny how he wasn't really a jerk? Yeah, because he almost always plays one going back to Animal House. and But in this movie, he was not really a Oh, jerk. no, he was a really sweet guy, actually. I think he kind of did the, he, he did that befuddled dad thing where I just don't know what to do with the boy. But he never said, that's not my son. Like, he never, no, yeah, he never, he yeah, never no. did that. And I waited for it. Like, I'm like. See, that's the thing. If this movie had come out now, that's the card they would have played. They would have, even if it came out a couple of years after yeah. it, it originally came out of, if they had made it then, they would have did that. They would yeah. have did that. You're, you're nothing like your father. Like, yeah. he would have said something yep. like that. Because but in this, he even apologized to the fool. He said, yo, I'm sorry for, for you know, trying to pick up your girl. I know that's your girl. We don't have to do this. That is the so non-bully yeah. thing to do. Oh, yeah. At the beginning of the movie. Yeah, he's, it actually comes off more like Bobby is much more of the cocky jerk. Like in that yes. sense, I, you know what it is? I almost imagine if we did a prequel to this movie, in that yeah. version, Joe is the Lenny character. Remember, because when he when he met the mother, mm-hmm. when he took the mother on a journey, uh-huh. a, fl- a, a flashback of their of their relationship, he never took it to any dances. He thought they were too cool. Yep. He was. I was sitting there going, "You're the monster. <laughs> you shouldn't be going to heaven." Well, hey, he wasn't going to Uptown. No, see, they never That's said heaven, true. too. That's what I love. This movie's called The yeah, Heavenly Kid. But they never, Uptown, going Uptown. And those trains, man, whoa. Oh, I know. Whoa. And you think the trains 
The trains in Midtown are bad. Man, listen, I'm in New York, so you know I know. I know you know snow. <laughs> I know snow and I know dirty trains. <laughs> So, do you think they used? What, where were those trains from? I don't. I didn't have looked that up. I don't even know. It couldn't been. It couldn't have been New York subway. So I, it had to be somewhere else. I don't know. Chicago where. has subways, right? So yeah, so been like, it, it had to be because I don't remember that stairway going up like that. Like mm-hmm. that has to be a, a station, like a major, a major station where they're going uptown. Yeah. And but I'm like I don't like I'm looking at it and I'm like no that's nowhere. It doesn't it doesn't L A have a sub subway? I mean they don't ever talk about it, but <laughs> but they do have because Escape have from is Escape from New York right? Because remember the deleted yeah, scene yeah. The, of where you see Puskin and his his compadre before he's detained and and sent to uh, gonna be sent to Manhattan and all that. You, yeah, you remember the the deleted scene that uh, Ridge was supposed to open the movie. And he, it, they used, it was like right after the subway, were part of the subway system or whatever in L.A. had opened, then they used it because it had a somewhat futuristic look to it. Right. I remember that being a thing. Hmm. Maybe that was it because that had escalators, like pretty big escalators it, it, like it that. It did. It did have the escalators and it had the the surrounding wall, like that surrounding yeah. round yeah. type of uh, thing, like you're going in a tunnel. Like yeah. You're, like you're going up in a tunnel hmm. that you don't know where you're going. It's a high one, too. They, they that escalator is kind of high. You always feel bad for the actor when they do that. And they did that more, I think, with these in the 80s with these movies where you'd have the credits running while the movie, the story's somewhat still continuing or still seeing mm-hmm. the character. It's not like, you know, you fade to black, story's over. He's riding up the escalator and we just hold on him. Not froze. No, we don't freeze frame. No, 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 no. no, no. As the credits roll up and he has to look back every once in a while and he has to make these faces. And because otherwise, what are you going to do? And I like, you know what, as a kid, that was a quirk I had. I like to sit there and just watch them oh, the yeah. entire time the credits go up to see if they break character. Lewis Smith, he kind of held character. No, he's good. And I, like, and I liked him a lot. I mean, the thing is, is that despite any cocaine-fueled plot holes in this thing, like the holes one might get in one's nasal cavity from... A certain mm-hmm. recreational barbiturate. I mean, it's not a barbiturate, is it? It's a. Uh, is it a barbiturate? No. It's a. What do they call it? It's a. And then a stimulant. Yeah, stimulant. Yeah. What's a, bar- a barbiturate? Say more of a it mellows you out, right? Right. Right. Oh, right, yeah. right. <laughs> Forgot. Look, look at us trying to look. We took all the sexy out of the cocaine. <laughs> just say. Just say. Just say <laughs> no. You could tell we didn't really do. Yeah, you could cocaine. tell. No, I was definitely not that cool. Yeah, we were not cool in the drugs. No, we, we do not describe it in a sexy well, first way off, at all. First off, the fact that you you refer to it as the drugs. Yes, <laughs> I told you what, who, what we were not cool with the drugs. I was not cool with the drugs. Now the sex, maybe, but the mm. drugs. Not so much. Not with the drugs. <laughs> no. No. But it was so good. Yeah, but it. Oh, the acting, but I want to say something. The acting in this movie, I, I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say I really feel like that's really the movie's strong suit. I would go with you with that, yes. Because pretty much everybody, and what I really love is that even though everybody else, their ages didn't fit and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. the extras, especially in the '80s, those were just straight up kids that lived in that town. Like they're, you know, they were. They were the most real. That's what I love. The, the watching '80s movies, especially '80s comedies, is akin to watching stuff from the BBC now, where they yes. look like real damn people. And I love that. I just finished watching Broadchurch. My wife and I are watching. She goes, you know what I love about 
these BBC shows, these people look like real freaking people. This is that Hollywood plasticky BS where they, you know, where I don't know where, especially a horror movie today. Everybody looks like they should be on the what do they call it now? The CWWB. I don't even know what it is yes. at this point. But I know exactly what you're talking about, where the BBC was the place, the only place where not everybody was so pretty. Well, yeah, because like even like David Tennant, I mean, you know, he's a huge star. He's a good looking guy, but he's not. Mm-hmm. He's not. I don't even know how to put it. It, he looks like a not, real dude. Yeah, he's just a dude. He's yeah, but a even, guy. And even and the women, like the uh, in the the BBC version, the mm-hmm. one who plays the mother of of the kid, uh, you know, she, you know, she's a, she's a attractive, beautiful woman, but she's again real. Like she looks like right. a real, approachable human being. She wouldn't make us all just stop breathing and and holding our bellies in if she walked into the to the movie theater or something. Like if we're standing there, yeah. Like, it's so true. It, it is so true. I, it's funny because I was watching The Blacklist not too long uh-huh. ago. And I'm sitting there going, now, James Spader, he looks like a North. Yes, he looks, he looks like, like a, a man he, of yes, his age. Yes, yes. He's great. He's aged Love gracefully. Him. Yes. Love him. Yes. But you look at the his co-star and I'm like, there's no way this uh, Victoria's Secret model <laughs> looking woman would be that high up in the yeah. <laughs> And the FBI, like it's just, it's just no way. Yeah. Like, like what, what doesn't fit here? <laughs> there, there's, there's like twenty, uh, to thirty to forty year old guys, and then you have two secret models, secret uh, Victoria's Secret models, <laughs> standing there with guns, and they're in charge. Yeah, of course. Hold on. Of course. Wait a minute. It's a progressive like, agency, Daryl. They. Um... It's so crazy. And that, you know what? And that is why I like there is a type of a change. Like, look at how to get away with murder. There is actually a lead in it who doesn't look like the what they would call the, you know, the 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 Hollywood look Mm -hmm. of what a woman would look like. She's a woman who, yes, women age like we all do. Yeah. She actually looks like a grown woman who went to college at a certain age, went to law school at a certain age. Mm -hmm. Came out of that, graduated, and became a kick-ass lawyer. I guess what I find amazing is how somewhere along the way, folks in Hollywood, and I mean, we're just using that as a blanket statement, but people in that yeah. industry got it. Because we're judgmental. Like. Well, yeah, you know, and superficial. Uh, but <laughs> but they, they got this memo somewhere along the way that that's what people wanted. And I obviously, there is a contingent of the audience that that's what they of want. Of course we want eye candy. Of course. But I guess it's also... <laughs> I guess it's that, oh, don't insult my intelligence thing, like what you just said. If I see somebody, I'm like, yeah, I just don't really buy you in this role. And the only reason they, at the moment, thinking the only reason they cast you is because you look like that. And maybe you're a great actor. I don't know. But it's or just- they cast you because they want to show you thinking of contemplating life in your, in your, uh, your sexy, beautiful panties. As you're in a hotel room reading government papers yes. that really happened on the blacklist. Did it really? I haven't watched yes, that show. Does. I've had a lot of people tell me that they really like it. it I love good, James Spader. I love him. But so. it's some scenes where you go, okay, that's why they hired you. But yeah. again, going back to the Heavenly Kid, the few times that you have like the whole cleavage type thing, it's like everything's real. Yeah, yeah. There's not plastic involved in the situation. Well, maybe the one, the time when he first got to school and the, the um, when, when Bobby got to school and he was, he dropped her book. You think so? See, I thought that was probably. It, I don't know. That looked a little too good. Yeah. I don't know. But every, I I, my point be being is that everybody, every, every, 
everybody is <laughs> is very I don't know, just natural, the real. They everybody look real. Uh, I especially love when he comes out to fight mm-hmm. Gallo initially. Uh, Pimp Daddy with his Ario Speedwagon members only style jacket on zipped down to his navel, no shirt on underneath, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. chest hair. What's up, player? Yes, right. It's yeah. clean. It is so fresh and so clean, clean. <laughs> it's clean. Uh, yeah, I just I just love it. Uh, I love everything about that. So, another another uh, couple quick observations. Did you feel like Lenny's transition from lovable dork to douchebag prima donna happened kind of quick? I mean, I, I let, about, let me let me say it this way: it, it took a long time to get there, but it happened really fast. Was it did? Yeah, because all he did, he 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 had sex for the first time. Yeah, and um, that was all it took. Yeah, he was he was smoking weed. He was like, I was like, wow, coming and home he's, drunk. He's calling his best friend Melissa. Nothing. Huh. Like whoa, whoa, dude! Like yeah. you just you just got some. You got a long time to keep. The key word is trying to get more. You get it once, but I mean, you're gonna need it again. And I don't know why, but I really loved. Bobby's reaction to that whole thing because that was that is one of those scenes I remember being a kid and being like but Bobby's reaction to her like he's he's trying to keep him that hey you know a girl like this you gotta go slow and she she comes like she goes hey you wanna just skip the burgers and get it on and then his reaction is like oh crap and how I love later on when they're driving back and she goes you're not bad for first timer oh how do you know a lot a lot of first timers and Bobby goes Ew. Yeah, he goes ill, and and in your in your head, you, well, when you were younger, you didn't know anything. Yeah, but now I'm thinking, damn, what diseases she probably has? Well, here's the good news: if it's all first timers, I would think, right? Doesn't it doesn't kind of stand to reason theoretically, unless they came to the table with something that they got through some other means? Yeah, but it's still gross. It's still gross, though. I mean, who wants to get that? Yeah, no. Who wants to go to the doctor for that? Sloppy eighty fifths. Man. You have to shave everything. and Well, that's what happened to that, that uh, guy in the REO Speedwagon jacket. Yeah. <laughs> he used to have a very, very bushy chest. <laughs> yeah. So, and and then another, uh, one of my final observations. During the drag racing scene at the end of the film, it occurred to me, Gallo bails first, of course. Of course he does. But if, let's just say hypothetically, Lenny had chosen to, isn't he at a decided disadvantage considering he his door is mere feet away from the other car? Like, wouldn't he potentially get run over if he bailed? No, he wouldn't potentially. He would have gotten run over. <laughs> There's not even a potential. It, yes. Like, the person in that car is always at, he's always got to wait to the end, or yes. they're going to probably be killed anyway. Death would keep you from jumping out of that car okay. before the other guy does. Wow. That's a good point. So, we yes. learned, what have we learned today, kids? We've learned that. Your guardian angel sometimes is drunk. Mm-hmm. We've learned that you have a choice. You either go over the edge or you get run over right. because you punked out. And cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yes. So on a final note, Daryl, for you, C&D or not C&D, and just as a quick refresher, C&D, if it, if it is C&D, that's actually technically uh, not a good thing <laughs> but uh, a cinematic nostalgia disorder do you feel like that's what this movie is for you or do you feel like it's actually not it holds up on its own blah 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 
Hmm. I'm still in a good place because I'm trapped at home because it's too cold to go outside with all the snow and stuff. You've only, and you've I, only at this point uh, had to cannibalize half your family? Yes. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I still feel like I would go see this again. I mean, like, I, I still think it's. Oh, and cool just so we're clear, C&D doesn't mean you wouldn't want to watch it again, but it's okay. always like that acknowledgement of, yeah, you know. I would have to go C&D. Okay. Yeah, yeah it to. is for me, too. It's total C&D. Yeah, yeah. Like, to. I can't justify it. No. Unless I'm actually taking uh, cocaine, I wouldn't argue with any. If anybody came to me and said this is a horrible movie, how dare you? I would not even. You think you're just gonna go? Okay. I would have to hold that. I would have to go. Yes. And and then you would follow it up with, but the '80s was rough. Okay, (laughs) that's what I would have said. The '80s was a rough time. (laughs) Unless you were in that writer's room. Exactly. (laughs) Well, yeah. Now and now, if you were in that writer's room. What you know is the 90s all the way to now was a rough time. <laughs> rehab, in and out of rehab. Uh, all those nose jobs. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Daryl, as per usual, my friend, it has been fantastic. And to have you on this inaugural kind of episode of the Forgotten Flicks reboot has been an honor. I, I am honored that you uh, would have me on the show. I, you know, I, I love you. Know I love you now. I, you I know, know that. I know. Oh, I, and, 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 and you know the feelings mutual. And that's the only reason I give you a hard time about the frigid temps here in Central Florida. Yeah, and I can't come out and go <laughs> to see you to beat you up because you said these things. It's a cold. Yes, it really is. Because you 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 would pretty much just like take three steps and you would be like the Tin Man. You just gotta. Pretty much. And just freeze. Yes. Would you tell the kind people where they can find all that Daryl Taylor goodness? Um, yes, we have a, a, a little uh, network of podcasts which which have movies, TV, comics, uh, comedy, uh, all that type of stuff. You can go to the, uh, just type in taylornetworkofpodcast.com and it'll pop right up. And you can also go on Facebook we have a, a pretty big Facebook group where we talk about just about anything that comes to mind with movie, TV, pop culture, and all that kind of fun stuff, too. Uh, it's the Taylor Network Podcast on Facebook, and you just uh, apply for it. Do you want to join the group? I add you right up, and you add you into the group, and, and you can uh, talk about a whole bunch of stuff. It's pretty cool. I, I agree, and it's a robust network, and... I of course have to put you on the spot. Reason uh, you've never had me on? Uh, we were you were supposed to be on a long time ago. You and the one who we miss, who I wish would come back. Start crying. I don't want to cry. <laughs> but you remember the the times we it was hard to get you because we recorded in the morning on Saturday. Saturday oh, morning. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. See, okay, we were supposed to work that out, and we just never got a chance. But. You know, we, we it's still open. Okay, if it's open, it's always well, open. Well, on my end, times they are a changing. Although it would be funny, I was gonna say stick me on. Don't stick me on something where it's like real comic book heavy. Because while I am a huge fan of comic strips and Mad Magazine, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know that I could hold my own. But then again, from your perspective, that could be hilarious. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I'll, du- I'll do the douchey wannabe geek thing where like, oh, yeah, and, um, was it issue? Oh, was it issue 24? I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty confident that if Spider-Man was in that situation. And that's when we just attack you. <laughs> you are an idiot. Spider-Man. Yeah, that's, 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 uh, we just attack you. But yeah, I would, 
you know what? We have TV. We could, you could come on to TV. In fact, we could do a movie that's, uh, mm. that we can we can do an old classic, and we could talk about that. Just on. not this one, because while I love it, one. I don't know that I want to talk about it again. <laughs> no, I, I have to. We have to. It has to be another yes. thirty years before we could talk about. This yes, movie. and then I'll be totally Jones and to do it again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Daryl, thank you so much. Thank you. Like what you hear? Want even more nostalgia, love, and goodness? Then go on by to ForgodFlix.com, where you can sign up for free updates, send us your feedback using the contact form, or click on any one of our various social media outlets. You'll especially love our closed Facebook group for the diehard fans of retro movie love and goodness. You'll get all that and more at ForgodFlix.com.